0: Well, good morning. Uh, I just want to welcome you here to One Church and say Happy Easter. Uh, My prayer is today that uh, you, uh, as we, along with each other, uh, just celebrate uh, our risen Savior. Uh, I just want you to know, if this is your first time, we are so thankful that you are here. Uh, And if you had not had a chance already uh, on your way out, if you stop by our visitor's table, uh, we'd love just to give you a gift and just some information about who we are as a church uh, as I say every week, we are by no means a perfect church, but we have an opportunity even this morning uh, to serve a perfect God, a God who has uh, risen from the dead, and one who loves and adores you and pursues us. And, and this morning, we're going to be uh, opening God's Word. We're going to be uh, obviously looking at the resurrection story, and I, I just want to start off, uh, actually I need to say third through fifth graders, you guys are dismissed, uh, before I get too excited this morning, you guys are dismissed to your class. Um, miracles. If I was to ask you this morning, uh, do you believe in miracles? The, the, the honest-to-goodness, old-fashioned acts of God. And that's a good question that we should ask here on Easter uh, Sunday morning, I'm sure most of you would say, yes, I, I believe in miracles, and I, and I would say the same thing. If I were to ask you how many miracles you have ever seen, you would probably say, oh, I don't know, I think life in general is a miracle. Some of you might say, me being here this morning, now that's a miracle, alright, but we are thankful that you are here this morning, and I'm not just thinking about the surprising events of life or, or the long shot victories that we might uh, be able to explain in some sort of a way. But, but what I mean by miracle, I mean by those contrary to human possibility events that have no natural explanation whatsoever. And you might think, oh, that kind of miracle, sure, I believe in that kind of miracle, but now, let's be honest, you're a little more uncertain about that. You see, the, the death of Jesus is very viable for us and say, man, I can, can believe that, and you know, maybe even this morning you might even have a, a cross around your neck to represent what Jesus has done for us on the cross, but let's be honest, not many of us have little silver empty tombs around our neck, so to speak. Because the resurrection of Jesus was a miracle that took place 2,000 years ago that changed the world forever. And this morning, I want you to know, maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm not so sure about this. I'm not so sure about who Jesus is or, or even the resurrection of, of Himself. And I want you to know that doubters are welcome this morning. You see, all through the New Testament, even those who followed after Jesus, His closest companions, His His compadres who walked with Him for three years and saw Him do miracle after miracle after miracle and do so many things, and there was no denying that because they visibly saw that. Even those closest to Him, Matthew, Mark, Bartholomew, even a man by the name of Thomas who, who has the name Doubting Thomas and, and is someone we're going to look at this morning. But here's what I want to say to you do this morning. Maybe you're a little skeptical even being here this morning. And maybe you're a little nervous even being here this morning. I want you to know that you are in such good company. And I want you to know that you are so welcome because everyone is welcome at the empty tomb. And this morning as we look at God's Word, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11. If you do not have a Bible, there should be one close to you. John is in the New Testament. Matthew is the first book, so you would go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John would be the fourth book of the New Testament. If you would turn with me to... John chapter 11, we'll be getting there in just a moment. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us much about doubting Thomas. Some of you might be able to relate with Thomas in in some form or fashion, maybe not this morning, but you have at some point in your life where you've doubted God's goodness. Maybe the loss of a loved one, and you've doubted, why does God allow these things to happen? And, and we talk about the resurrection, and, and, and it's that one thing, that miracle that cannot be explained. John chapter 11. We're going to be starting here in verse 1 together. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Now Lazarus was one of Jesus' closest companions. And so they get word here that, that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus and his, and his disciples were in a place called Jericho, which was uh, not too far away, but they were, they were in a place called Bethany, which was where Jerusalem was. And, and Jesus had been in Jerusalem, and they had literally tried to stone Him out of Jerusalem. It says in previous chapters that Jesus fled the place in which Lazarus was, and I want you to understand that because that's going to be a key component of what we're going to be talking about this morning. So uh, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, now, if this was the time of cell phones, I'm blowing up Jesus' phone here. Like, Jesus, did you not get the word here? Like I'm texting him phone and he's not picking up because it says that he heard, listen to this, he heard that Lazarus was sick. And it says that he stayed where he was for two more. Anybody with me there? I'm like, Jesus, I am calling out for you. Where are you? Maybe this morning you are calling out for Jesus and you wonder where he is. Sometimes we don't hear his voice and, and we just want to feel his presence. And it says, for, for two days, he's like, ah, not a big deal. I've got this. Not a big deal at all. He goes on and says, and he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, Judea was kind of uh, the area like Beckham County, okay, so to speak. All right, and then you've got, you know, Jerusalem and Bethany were like Say or Canute or Elk City. So I want you to kind of understand that it's kind of the same area there. So let's go back to Judea. Verse 8, but Rabbi, they said, but Jesus, they said, a short, short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back? Like, are, are, you, are you crazy? Or why would you go back? Verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he is asleep, he will get... That would be my response there. Like, you know, could you just kind of like spell this out for me here, Jesus? Because I'm just saying here, like, if he's asleep, like, if morning comes, he's going to awake... Obviously, Jesus had been speaking in verse 13 of Lazarus' death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. That's me right there. Like, Brandon, you know, like, let me just spell it out to you. The hand right on the wall. Lazarus is dead. I, I was just, I was trying to get to there, but you didn't get anybody like that at all. No, no okay, here we go. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad... I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to Him. Let us go to Him. See, I want you to see this here, because Jesus is willingly going to a place where there will be, where there could be danger. Jesus is, is willingly going to a place, and, and you think about that, and you think of what Jesus has done for me and you as He willingly, as it says when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and when they come, and, and Peter he cuts off the guard's uh, ear here, and, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 Peter, this is not the way it's going down here. Let me tell you something. I could call on a thousand angels right now, and they could pluck me out of this place, but I am willingly going to the cross. I want you to get this. I want that to soak in this morning that Jesus time and time again willingly goes and does things because of His love for you and for I. And I love this. Here's Thomas. Here's Thomas speaks up. And he says, Let us go also that we may die with him, and so here's what Thomas. Here's what doubting Thomas. Thomas seems to get a bad rap many times. Anybody get a bad rap sometimes in your life? It's like people don't get me, and I do this, and it ends up wrong or whatever. Doubting Thomas. I mean, he is like, man, I'm willing to lay my life on the line right now for you, Jesus. Like you're going into harm's way, but I, I am going there with you. I love this this understanding here, the love and the compassion, and it's almost like Thomas gets it. It's a brief statement that reveals enormous courage in the life of doubting Thomas. There is love, loyalty, despair, sacrifice, and total commitment There's one more place in the New Testament, in in John chapter 14, where it speaks about doubting Thomas. This is the night before the crucifixion. It was Thursday night. And Jesus was having His last supper, His last meal. He was having communion with His disciples. And and Judas has already gone and and done his thing. And and Jesus is sitting with His eleven disciples here. And He's explaining to them and He's sharing with them. In John 14, chapter, uh, 14 verse 1 it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with Me, that you also be where I am." You know the way to the place where I am going. So all the disciples are sitting there and and they're listening and intently listening. And then here comes a great honesty where Thomas blurts out verse 5 of John 14. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Anybody been there before? Lord, I, I don't understand what's going on. I, I don't understand you're working and, and Thomas is so honest. I, I want to say something to you this morning. Maybe that's you. And you're scared to cry out to God because maybe you're, you're doubting Him or you don't believe for some reason. My prayer this morning, maybe for the first time, like, God, I don't understand. Would you reveal yourself to me? And so Thomas, Lord, We're not getting what you're throwing down here. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? You see, putting our faith in Jesus doesn't mean putting it there blindly. For some, following Jesus was an easy decision. And maybe for you this morning, following Jesus was was a very easy decision for you. Maybe you grew up always hearing about Him and His, his love and His sacrifice for you and, and you came to a point in your life at a young age where you gave your life to Christ and you wanted Him to be the Lord and Master of your life and, and the thought of not following Him has, has never really crossed your mind. Not saying it's been easy following Him. But for some of you this morning, that was a very easy decision. And I'm thankful for those times. But for the majority of us this morning, we're a lot more like Thomas than sometimes we like to agree. His faith was won through doubt, agony, personal struggle. And maybe this morning this describes you and you are in the midst of this. You know there is more to your life than, than what you are experiencing, but there is a true struggle. There is a true battle going on inside of you. And although Thomas, just like many of us who might struggle with this, Thomas, listen to this, Thomas did not allow these emotions and things to keep him from surrendering and experiencing the hope and the joy and the love and comes and knowing, following, and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So Thomas is just so honest here. Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way Verse 6 of John 14. Aren't you thankful that God graciously responds to us? I mean, this is really a theme of who Jesus is, time and time again. You know, I've got to be honest, sometimes, you know, I, many of you have kids, and I know we we'll talk about kids a lot. I've got four of them, and many times, you know, it's like, I mean, come on. I mean, like, I've said this five times. And sometimes you kind of want to jump down the throat, or sometimes, you know, maybe it's a spouse, like, he just doesn't get it. You know what I mean? And I know that happens to none of you in here this morning. But our response many times is one of anger. It's one of, come on, why don't you understand? How many times do I have to, do I have to spell it out to you? By the looks of some of the faces, it looks like you might have had this conversation this morning as you woke up out of bed. I told you to wear that shirt, sweetie. But I don't want to wear Just do what you're told. Right. Jesus' response in, in verse six is really pretty amazing. He doesn't come down. He doesn't get harsh. Jesus answered, He says, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, listen to this. This is so important. He says, no one comes to the Father. No one has eternal life. No one comes into the kingdom of God no one accepts heaven no one knows God the Father no one knows the one who created you except through Jesus and in verse 7 it says you really know me it's almost like he's confirming what they didn't know a little bit like no 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 no. I'm not sure you understand what I'm saying here like we have a relationship you have laid down your life for me I mean uh I'm sorry, Thomas, do you remember just a while back when you were willing to lay down your life for me? I just want to confirm this. I want to give grace to you. And I want to let you know that you are loved and you are adored. And it's okay to have doubt. It's okay to have questions. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. You see, I love how Jesus is setting the stage for one of the greatest crises of beliefs. You see, faith in Jesus always leads to a crisis of belief because the resurrection of Jesus is not something that you can explain because I've got to be honest with you, when is the last time you've seen that happen in your lifetime? Raise your hand. It's a miracle that took place almost 2,000 years ago. And it's a story that is the most well-known story. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of churches all around the world. That number probably gets so much bigger when you think about it. Some underground and some who are, who are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords because He has risen. And how do we know that He has risen? Because for many of us this morning, we have encountered. We have encountered. Jesus for ourselves. You see, we tend to forget about what it was like on that first Easter morning. Think about that. You see, Jesus told His disciples and His close friends, you know, that, that I must go, I must, I must be crucified, and on the third day I will rise again. they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And it's worth asking that question for you and for me. What about you? What if, what if you to put yourself right there? The one that you have just surrendered your life to, the one that you have followed after, the one that you quit your fishing job, or, or, or whatever it might be, or you, to follow after Jesus, and you've seen Him do all of these amazing things, and He, and he, and he says He is what He is, but you're still doubting that. And as the disciples are doubting, and as those closest to Him are doubting, what's interesting is, is when Jesus went to the tomb, you know the one people, or the the people that really thought He might actually rise from the dead? That is the Jewish and the Roman government. It even says in Scripture, you know what? We need to make sure we seal this place off because, because this dude... Jesus said that He's going to rise again so we might seal it off so that He can't get out. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says, But when they looked up, they saw that the stone which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid Him. But go tell His disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you into the Galilee. There you will see Him just as He told you. And I love the response. It says, Trembled and bewildered. I mean, these ladies, they were in panic mode. What? Do you mean Jesus has risen? It says that the women went out and fled from the tomb. John's account of this, John 20 verse 2, it says, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord and out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put Him. You see, the people closest, to they were not expecting a resurrection. Luke 24.9 gives the account, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. You see, this morning you are in some very, very good company. Because those who were there that day, they struggled with the resurrection they weren't so sure. I mean, don't get me wrong, they believed it and they, and they wanted it to happen. But for you and I, 2,000 years later, knowing and having confirmation that it took place for us, in the eyewitness account that took place days after the resurrection to solidify and validify what Jesus did for you and for I, The story goes on in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. I mean, these, these guys were scared. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm hoping that Jesus brushed His teeth at that time as He breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. That Verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Verse 25 goes on and says, So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. His closest friends. Those he's been doing life with for the last several years. Like Thomas, we have seen Jesus. Like we have touched Him. We've, we've been revealed to Him. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in His hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand and to His side... I will not believe. We don't know why Thomas was not with the other ten disciples. Maybe because of who Thomas was. Maybe he was alone. Maybe he was grieving. As some of us grieve differently. We don't want to be around. We don't, we don't know what's going on here. We just know that Thomas was not there, and when all of his friends come to him and say, man, Jesus is alive, he's like, unless I see it for myself. And so many times, Thomas is, is scrutinized for that. Let me tell you something. As I say every single way, I never want you to take my word for it. My prayer is, is that you have a personal encounter with the risen Savior, because if you take my word for it, I can promise you, it will not stick. And I pray for my kids, and I pray for so many of you that you will have a personal encounter. And I love that Thomas responds this way. Like, I just want to be in the presence of Jesus. I am in love with Him, and I'm hurting. And yes, I'm even having doubts. You see, there's two kinds of doubters. There are those who say I don't believe and there's nothing that will make me believe. Such people enjoy their doubt. They talk about it, maybe even laugh about it and maybe even get angry when they're confronted about it. A person like this is they're not looking for answers nor for truth. You see the Pharisees in the New Testament for those who know they fall into that category. Jesus tells them in Matthew 16 that when Jesus, they asked for a sign, he, he refused and called them an evil and adulterous generation. You might say, "Why did he respond that way? Because here's the thing Jesus knows their hearts. Jesus knows our desire to know truth. Jesus knows our desire to, to follow up to Him. Jesus knows our doubts. Jesus knows Jesus knew Thomas. And I believe he 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 came in a gracious manner to, to Thomas because he knew his heart. And Jesus knows your heart as well. As we close our time together, the story continues in John twenty, verse twenty six. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, I mean, they're, they're still fearful of what might take place. Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And I love this. With all of his doubts, with all of their fears, with all of the unknowns. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hands and then put it in my side. And he tells Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Thomas responds, and says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. In verse 29 it goes on. And Jesus told him because, listen to this, I love this. Because in this moment Jesus was thinking of you Jesus was thinking of all those who would come after Thomas. Jesus would, would think of all those people when Jesus ascended into heaven. And, and He's thinking of you this morning. And this verse is for you this morning. He says, Thomas, because you have seen Me, you have believed. And then He says, blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen And yet, have believed. I'm going to ask Jared to come and join me here on stage. Here's the wonderful truth I want you to, I really want you to take away this morning. Everyone, doubters included, are welcome at the empty tomb. So I want to ask you again. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in the miracle we celebrate this morning on Easter Sunday? Maybe your answer is is no. Maybe your answer is I'm not sure. I encourage you, maybe for the very first time, this has been an ongoing, just struggle. this has been an ongoing battle. And let's just be honest, sometimes you're here, maybe your spouse drug you here or, or whatever it is. Not like drug you, you know what I mean, okay? Not, yeah. Hold you, all right, that would be, that would be extreme. But whatever. Huh. I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. And the depths of the things that he will do to pursue you. You know, I think of all these, these scriptures in the New Testament. I think of I think of Saul. He was on his way to Tarsus. I mean, he was literally, he was on the opposite side of the fence. He was aggressively persecuting the people who followed after Jesus. And in a moment, listen to this. Because of an encounter with Jesus Christ, His life changed forever. So maybe this morning you're saying, I I, I doubt it. I struggle with understanding what Jesus did. I want you to know that you are in good company and God knows your heart. And that will not keep Him from pursuing you and being gracious to you even this morning. But here's the thing. I want to be honest this morning as we close. When you and I, when we come to the empty grave, there must be a response. There must be a response. Either we come to the empty grave and as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, either... As Jesus said, I want you to stop, Daddy, and I want you to believe in my prayers. That's everyone in here. But the probability, there's probably a few who are doubting. And I want to give you an opportunity, maybe for the very first time, to give your life to God.